Welcome to How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? My name is Rebecca Lee Robertson, and this is the podcast where I interview my friends and peers about, well, how the fuck they got so confident. In this episode, I interview actor, comedian, improviser, and writer Carl Tart. We chat about the connection between having responsibilities as a kid and building confidence, the effects of coaches and mentors on youth, finding where your voice fits, and so much more. This is How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? with guest Carl Tart. Hey, Carl. Hi. Hi. How's, How's it going? It's going good. How about yourself? Good. It's going great. Uh, going great, as, as great as it can possibly go as, at this moment. <laughs> absolutely, as great as it can possibly go. Uh, thanks for doing this for me. Thanks for having me. So I kind of thought about doing this podcast for a while, but originally it was just, it wasn't even a podcast idea. It was just, I wanted to take my confident friends to coffee and just like talk to them about how they became so confident. Mm -hmm. And then this quarantine happened. So I was like, oh, well, I still want to talk to people. Maybe I should also record it because it could be helpful for other people too, who are struggling with confidence issues like myself. Um, so I just been talking to chatting with friends about it. And when I thought of confident people, you're like one of the few people that came to mind. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Do you consider yourself a confident person? Uh, I have gotten, I've gotten better at it over the years. I think, I think I am, I would say I consider myself to be somewhat confident in my abilities, if you will. Okay. Abilities uh, meaning like comedy, writing, acting. Yeah, stuff like that. Like, but the, even those, even those, all those things have their moments where I'm not confident at all. So it's hard to say that I'm not a confident person because yeah. I think that would be offensive to people who are really like down in the dumps about it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Also, I, I, th I think I find it hard to believe that all people don't have confidence issues, and I do, and I still do in certain ways. Like, I've tremendously confident, like, like, what am I trying to say? Uh, I'm talking like idiocracy. I have so many confidence issues in certain ways, but I also can like muster up, like can muster up the confidence to do certain things right. at certain times. Right. What things do you feel like you lack with confidence? Oh, I would say self-confidence for sure. Yeah. Uh, like I, I struggle with weight issues. Yeah. I struggle with, uh, I'm, I'm going bald and I struggle yeah, with that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I like, uh, so like appearance things, it a, kind appearance, of like? appearance stuff. Yeah. Appearance yeah. stuff. Um, you know, not necessarily not being in a, I, I've, I, I think I've, I've put in some work over the past couple of years that have, I'm not necessarily not confident in my like where I'm at in my life I kind of am proud of that yeah a little bit yeah but you know there's still a ways to go with that but I that all that takes is just me continuing to work and I work. mean yeah I was gonna say what can you attribute like the past couple years it sounds like you've gained confidence in your work abilities is that just due to like working more or yeah yeah it's due okay. to working more it's due to certain people uh believing in me and saying like, oh, we believe that you can accomplish this, and that, and that's a list of from super high up professional people like who we all look up to, uh -huh. all the way down to our friends who go, hey, I'm doing a web series, and I want you to do this, and yeah. I want you to be a part of this, and I want you to be on this podcast. I'm yeah. starting a podcast. I think that you would be a good guest to have in the beginning. <laughs> Stuff like that, like when that, like that does make me feel really good that people think that I would bring something to whatever they're doing. You know? Yeah, you're like. One of my favorite, not only improvisers, but actors. And I feel like I've mentioned this to you a little bit, but like you are so funny, but like in a grounded, realistic way. But like, I believe everything you say when you're acting. And I like, I truly don't think that about most people like watching TV. I'm like, mm, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But for you, I believe it. And I don't know. I just love you as a performer, so I'm so excited that I get to talk to you. That's very nice of you to say. Thank you. <laughs> uh, going back to, like, childhood stuff, were mm -hmm. you a confident child? No, not at all. Not, not at in all. the slightest. Do you uh, have brothers and sisters? I do, but they're all much younger than I am. Oh, you're the so, oldest. So, yeah, I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest by a lot. My parents are young. So they had, like, I was a, I was a, uh, 
a high school surprise. Right, right, right. <laughs> then, That's a fun uh, word. <laughs> yeah, a, a, high phrase, school a high school surprise. Uh, I'm not, I'm not at all offended by like the term mistake or anything because yeah. they both, were, they both were great parents. But I guarantee you, I was not wanted. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like my 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 siblings are much younger than me. They're nine, ten, and twelve years younger than me. Wow, yeah. So I I grew up alone a lot because my mom also had to like I was with my grandma uh-huh. for like the first. I would say for my first 10 years, like I was with my grandma nine out of those years. Yeah. And then she started to get Alzheimer's. And so then I had to move to to L.A. from Mississippi. Wow. OK. And with my mom, who was out here, who I mean, we talked every day and stuff, but it was still it was I was being raised by my grandma. It wasn't right. she just my grandma was just helping her out while right. she tried to get on. You know how hard it is out here for us. Yeah, it is. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I confidence like I. I was never a confident child. I did not want to do anything. I never wanted to be embarrassed. And if I got embarrassed, I I crawled into a shell. Really? That's so and interesting. I I like really when I and you know, I probably still struggle with that sometimes. I definitely won't I don't always put myself out there as much as I can. If I know I'm not if I'm if I know I'm not good enough to accomplish it, I tell you one thing I'm confident in. I'm confident in telling people when I can't do something. Really? That's a and good even, but that's a good quality. Yeah. Even, even if they even if they think I can. Yeah. Like, and so I could be talked into it if they're like, please, come on, man, you, you got to do this. Again. And I'll be like, no, no, no. I, I'm afraid of getting embarrassed. I'm afraid of what people say. I'm afraid of like, I think that's one of, that's been one of the main things. My We might get to that. You might have a question about this or something. But I think my confidence and self-confidence stuff has always lied in a, in a people pleasing kind of uh-huh. area. Yeah. You know, like always I've always been afraid to let people down and stuff oh, like that. Interesting. And, Always, af- always afraid of what people think. It, like, yeah, that, that's been a huge, a huge problem. Where do you think that comes from? I do not know. I do not know. I, I like, I, I, I wish I could tell you yeah. where that, like, afraid of what people think comes from. But it, it's been there, uh, like, most of my life. My, uh, most of my life, I have, you know, worried about, you know, oh, what is this person gonna say about me? What are these people? thinking about me at this time oh that per- like you know and, and it, it still happens now i yeah. still go through it i talk to my friends about it now like they'll be like it's so random because you know like our community is like in a weird way and this this is going to sound cocky uh and i'm also like this is this is me doing this right now i don't okay, want to yeah, sound yeah. cocky i don't want like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah 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 totally. yeah i don't i don't want people to make oh what are people going to think when i say this but <laughs> yeah like me being like at the top of this weird food chain that we have. And if, for people theater. who don't know, the UCB theater in Los Angeles is what Carl's talking about. Yeah, yeah. I'm I like I'm being on Herald Night for all those years, Mom Night, now doing on the weekend team and ASCAT and stuff like that. Like there'll be times where I'll have a weird interaction with somebody at like birds or something. Like somebody who's kind of coming up in the game who we may not know that well, but they'll like come up to somebody who I'm talking to and only say what's up to them uh-huh. or something like that yeah. and like will completely ignore me and I'll immediately get in my head like did I do something to that person does yeah. that did, like did like why does that why didn't they say hello to me like what happened like why like what was going on and people will tell me like they're intimidated by you dude like like they like look up to you so they yeah. probably couldn't talk and I, I can't believe stuff like that you know right how do you deal with that then uh, kind of write it off and, and maybe just kind of like, as I've gotten old, like probably back in the past, I probably would like gone up to that person and be like, Hey, I'm like, I introduced myself and like make, but like, like go above and beyond. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. Go above. But nowadays I'm just kind of like, man, like if they wanted to talk to me, they would. Yeah. It's like, I'm not like, <laughs> it's like, it's hard to remember, but, and I, I do the same thing that you do, but it's like, Oh, how you are responding to me is, is because it's, it's coming from a place, like it's coming from your view and like your view of the world and it really has nothing to do with me, you yeah. know? And it, but it's hard to remember that all the time. Yeah. Um, so I find that interesting. Um, so what, I, th- what? Oh, I, I guess to kind of answer your question, cause I kind of just thought about this. Yeah. I think a lot of the people pleasing stuff came out of, a like, it was, it was a weird way of like kind of keeping myself out of the mix when it came to like people being shitty to other people, you know, like I've always lived by the treat other people how you want to be treated, like kind of thing. And I never wanted to be called cocky 
or an asshole or anything like that. And I also kind of wanted to keep the bullies off my off me. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Like when yeah. I was when I was a kid, it was just like, hey, if I make these dudes laugh, and I'm always cool with them, and if if I'm going to 7-Eleven and the gang members are like, yo, bring me back something, I I could like buy them something. Now I'm cool with them. Yeah. So they're not gonna beat me up. Right, they're not gonna, right, right, you know, right. Like, like self preservation almost. Yeah, it, it came out of a self preservation thing in a way, like, uh, but. Yeah, it, it it it's always worked out like until recently, I guess. <laughs> what is that? Um, what do you mean until recently? Uh, I just you know over the past like few years or so have come to the realization that no matter how nice you are to people, no matter how kind you treat people, no matter how you treat people how you want to be treated, there's still gonna be people who have negative things to say about you, who have who have negative opinions about you. There are people who are just gonna dislike you because you exist mm-hmm. i'm not trying to sit here and act like i'm nobody's saint mm-hmm. but i definitely i commit i am very proud of the way i treat others especially when they treat me kindly i'm never just mean to nobody for no reason right yeah that I mean, is very true about you i love that about you um yeah i mean at a certain point you have to just accept i guess that person's not gonna like me but then it's like what do you do you still have to either work with that person or be around that person and then it like it gets tricky i guess yeah. Yeah. It gets tricky at that point. But. Um, what, so if, if confidence wasn't something you had as a kid, cause I talk a lot about so far about like growing up and it's been, it's been interesting hearing how different people grew up and some with confidence and some without, what was something that your grandma or mother, depending on the time or father instilled in you other than confidence, like qualities, like it sounds like be good to treat others as you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Is that like the big one? Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much the main one. My mom, my mom is a is kind of a she's also an actor, and so she's kind of like life of the party type. And sometimes that was very embarrassing because she likes to be more center of attention, which I'm not that, yeah. but I I do like the idea of like making everybody happy. And so I'm I like I kind of got that from her. My dad is also another person who just kind of people kind of naturally gravitate towards him. Like I was just joking with my mom the other day because we, you know, we're talking. Everybody's in isolation yeah. now, and somebody was like, uh, "My mom was asking, like, uh, your dad and them are they staying inside and stuff like that?" And I was like, uh, "For the most part, like, my dad, like, for some reason, my dad's house is the, like, his his carport is like where all like the neighborhood like drunks kind of hang out, <laughs> okay. and, and my dad is not one of them. Yeah. Like, he's my dad, like." goes to work every day he's still working right now he works at the post office like he 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 makes like good money and like and and, like you know does things but he they just like the guys in the neighborhood whether they be the other professionals that live in the neighborhood and have families or the guys that ride by on bikes and are Mm -hmm. smell like uh, you know yeah uh, uh, hurricane like the like malt liquor and stuff like they just all come and like sit on my dad's carport and just like chill and talk and shoot the shit. Like, so he just like, is a person who like people like kind of gravitate towards his voice. So I think I kind of picked up that quality too, from, from both of those, my to both of my parents, even though only one of them is an actor, they're both kind of performative in a way. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Do you feel like, so you grew up in Mississippi before you were in LA. Is that right? Uh-huh. Do you feel like, I know me, at least as a woman growing up in the South, um, because I grew, I spent most of my childhood in Jacksonville, Florida, um, uh, which is considered the South, I would say. I was told kind of the opposite of being confident. It was more like, don't, don't shine too bright. Like, don't, you're not better than anybody else. Like, dim it down a little bit. Like, everybody, you're not, I just, that was kind of what was instilled in me as like a woman. Like, don't be too loud. Don't be too weird. Don't be too this. Did you experience any of that as like a man growing up in the South? Or what was what was your version of that? Uh, my version of that is a little different. Uh, I, I never was told that type of stuff, like be demure or anything like yeah. that. I definitely would like, I, I was never like the act up kid in school, but I would get in trouble for talking sometimes. And, 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 but the teachers never like, disliked me they were never like he's he's a bad kid and right. it's like oh he can be disruptive like he's a he just talks and he'll joke around a little bit but i don't have any behavioral problems out of him but 
I I kind of, you know, as a black dude, you kind of have to grow up a little faster because, and I'm also a, a bigger guy, mm-hmm. so I've been tall since I was younger and mm-hmm. stuff. And like, I know I saw that picture on your Instagram or something of you being the tallest kid in, I don't remember what sport it was. Oh, it was baseball. Baseball, yeah. yeah. Baseball team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of, you kind of have to grow up a little bit faster because people see you as not a kid sometimes. Like, wow. I, I probably looked, you know, 18 or 19 when I was 14 years old. Right. Like, and so. So they and, treated and, you like an 18 or 19 year old or. Yeah, they treat you a little different. Like when, when it comes to interacting with the cops or yeah. people, like anything like that. So you just kind of got to grow up a little faster as a, as a black dude. Like just be like you that that innocence is kind of taken a little bit earlier than most. So that was the only time where it's like, don't be acting up right. outside. Don't be. Don't be being like, don't be like kind of in that same way of what you were saying. Like, don't be acting up because bad things could happen to you. Like you could, you could get in trouble. I remember one time we were having a a glass bottle fight when we were teenagers. What is a glass bottle fight? Okay. So there's a, there's a recreate, like a park next to my uh, grandma's house called, that everybody calls the wreck. And the, the alcoholics sit outside on like a bench and they just put all their bottles into the trash can. Uh-huh. And so we would tip the trash can over and then go on the street and just, like, throw them at each other. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's really dumb. Like, because we're standing really far apart. And yeah. so basically they're just, like, busting in front of us. But right. it's still, like, super dangerous. Yeah, for sure. And somebody called the police in the neighborhood because they should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> the cops came. And it was just, like, it was a situation that wasn't treated like kids. Oh, I see. It was just like a little bit more than that. And yeah. we were like all 13, 14, 15 years old. And they treated you like you were an adult. Adults, yeah. Man, that's really that's really shitty because it's like, you okay, so then now you just have to grow up fast. You don't get to like make the same mistakes that other kids your age get to make maybe. No, no, yeah. Yeah. That's... Uh, but, you know, that we don't we kind of don't think about it at the same time too, you know? Yeah. I wonder if adults treating you like an adult made you, at, in, in any way, gain confidence. Because they were like, okay, we're, Carl, we're going to depend on you. You're not only the oldest, but you're the biggest in this class. You're, like, the leader here. Mm. Did you ever well, experience that? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily that. Uh, I think, if anything, I had some responsibilities at the house. Because, like I was saying, my grandma got sick. Yeah. And I, the, the summer before we realized how bad it was, I went home to, uh, you know, I would go, when I first moved here, I would go back to Mississippi every summer and winter. This is before I got to high school. So before I had like high school, like summer football practice and yeah. stuff, but I would go to, I would just go to Mississippi for like two months and just stay at my grandma's house. Mm-hmm. And that whole summer, my grandma was pretty much like mentally just wasn't really there. And I took care of her that whole time. So I, I never had the leader mentality. I never had like the, I'm going to make the decision. I'm not saying I'm a follower. Mm-hmm. More like outlierish, kind of like, yeah, I'll kick it with y'all until I'm not ready, until I don't want to kick it with y'all no more. Yeah. I'm not going to be the person making the decisions. Yeah. Anyway. Even, but, um, even being with your grandma and having to take on extra responsibilities, did that give you? That's when I did do it. And oh, okay, I did, yeah. I guess that did give me like a little bit of confidence. Confident. That's when I learned to drive. I learned to drive when I was 12. Yeah. Uh, I, like, <laughs> That's early. I, uh, all that, all that stuff, that whole summer really like having to pay her bills and mm-hmm. having to like, when I got there, she was like in the house and you know how hot it gets in the deep yep, south. Yep. The air conditioner wasn't working. And it was burning up in the house. So when I got there, if my grandma had just been in that house for who knows, like how deep in the summertime, by the time July, August hits, she could have died in there because it was that hot. Like, and so like I had to call the air, AC repair guy and get the air conditioner fixed. All this stuff at 12 years old. I had like sometimes I would wake up in the middle of the night and she wouldn't be in the house and the door would just be open. Wow. And so I'd have to go and find her in the neighborhood because wow. she just like wandered off. And she would go, oh, I was out here looking for you or something like right, that. Like, right, right, right. Like, you know, and it was just that's when I was like calling my mom. I was like, Mom, this has gotten bad. Like mm-hmm. we have to we have to do something. Either we have to move her to L.A. Yeah. My mom couldn't really afford that at the time. So we had to put her in a nursing home. Right, right, right. But, like it, 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 that type of stuff just kind of 
all that all that life experience kind of had me kind of growing up fast. But I always comedy was always kind of like that thing. I always loved cartoons and stuff. I still do. I was yeah. watching American Dad right before you called. <laughs> but um, it was that balancing out, like having the responsibilities of, you know, being being the oldest kid and stuff like that and kind of even in my mom's house, like kind of being the man of the house and having certain responsibilities and then, you know, balancing out being a kid too and being goofy and yeah. all that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah, so it sounds like something that gave you confidence, what I'm hearing is like that added responsibility and having yeah. to do like having to do men's work as a boy. Yeah. Okay, that's that's interesting. No one's talked about having responsibility and how that lends itself to gaining confidence. I think that's really interesting. So you are, um, you're an athlete and mm-hmm. you've been an athlete most of your life, I'm assuming from when you were a kid. Since five years old. Yeah. How has sports had an impact on your confidence or just you as a person? <laughs> uh, sports kind of killed my confidence. Oh, really? Yeah. Like it, it, it I, <laughs> I, I talk about this a lot because I still get caught up in it. No matter how successful I can get in entertainment and stuff, I'm still upset I didn't go further in basketball. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, I talk about it with the guys a lot when we play on Sundays and stuff. Uh, I it, It's so interesting how it, at these crucial times in your life, that type of well, what most people would look at as just trivial and fun and games can do to your psyche because – my high school coach benched me like he didn't he didn't play me very much. Mm-hmm. But I would go to the park and play in the AAU and the rec league and stuff like that. And I was always like one of the good guys. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the best, mm-hmm. but I was one of the guys that people I, w- I was never picked last. Put it mm-hmm. that way. Like nobody ever like looked at me and went like, oh, no, not that dude. Like I was always a person who was who was in the mix. But for some reason, my high school coach, I just never could please him and never could. And then when he would go to me and put me in the game, he would put so much pressure on me, like, don't fuck this up. Don't da 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 da. And, and then uh, what do you do when somebody tells you not to fuck something up? You fuck it up. Of course, yeah. And so I would get in the game and, and dribble the ball off my leg or, or mit, like, make a bad pass and it gets stolen or get the ball stolen. Like, like, and I wasn't really, I wasn't comfortable at all. And confidence, like, in sports, confidence is everything mm-hmm. like I, I talk about why i didn't go further in football because people look at me and go oh man you must have been a dope football player right. I, was like, yeah, I, was, I was pretty good but uh at the same time i don't have that like that killer instinct that it takes to really be good at football mm-hmm. uh, that's a that's a wrong term to use uh because football players have killed people but uh i will say i, I like i'm there are there are much much more good guys out there than there are bad guys. But I uh, I didn't have that, like, there's an intensity that you need to play a sport that is that dangerous. And right. That kind of stuff. And I just didn't have that. I didn't have, that wasn't in, ingrained in me. And, and what's funny, my, my dad was a professional football player, so people were expecting. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I he, he was back in the day. But I, I had I had the ability, but I didn't have, like, that extra oomph to, like, yes. really, you know. And... But for basketball, you did. Yeah, because basketball and basketball and baseball were just less contact. I didn't like the contact of football. Right, it hurt. Yeah. And, uh, but I did have that in basketball. I really loved playing basketball, and I was good at it. But but the confidence was killed by my high school coach, who just wasn't that good of a coach and didn't really didn't really add me to the rotation a lot of the time. And and the little time that I did get, probably wasn't that good. I didn't like because because. You, it really is a comedy. You're out there with your friends, and they start to lose confidence in you, when because like these are guys who I played with, who who grew up in the same neighborhood as me, and everything, who I've been playing with for years. They know I can play, but when the coach keeps going, no, Carl sits. Carl, you sit. Then my friends are like, wait, well, no, Carl's got to sit. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like so that kills my confidence. That right. makes me feel like I'm like, damn, like my friends are stopping believing in me. Right. Like, so that was that was tough. That probably put me in my head pretty deep. That sounds really tough. It's it's really disappointing to hear that a coach can behave that way. And oh, yeah. I mean, I I played sports as a kid, but not in in high school. I was ended up doing dance and cheerleading, which are sports in their own right. Um, but I never had an experience with a coach that was negative like that. High school coaches 
are bad. Yeah. Like pretty much, I think most people, even the people who do succeed, have experiences where if you're not at a school where they have good money to actually pay a person who is an expert in this field, you are probably getting somebody who's pretty much a volunteer, who's maybe like a teacher at the school, a PE teacher or something who sits at home and likes the Lakers and mm-hmm. thinks that they can coach basketball, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, it, that's what I had. I had a situation like that where the guy, like, and, oh, here's a, here's a, a, a one-up in confidence, speaking of my coach. So I went back to playing my alumni game um last year it, like a year ago around this time around april okay i went back to playing my alumni game and i'm like okay like it's gonna be fun like yeah get to get to see my boys like because it's alumni basically it was like the people who graduated from the years of 2000 to 2010 versus the kids who graduated okay. 2010 and up got it and so like old heads versus kind of old heads and I'm thinking like, man, it's going to be fun. I'm going to see like all these people from different generations that I haven't seen since I was a kid. You know, I don't really kick it in my neighborhood no more. Like haven't really kicked it in that area for like a good like 10 years now since I've been doing comedy stuff. Like it'll be good to see everybody, see the old homies. Like this is going to be great. Man, no. <laughs> and my coach was being stingy with playing time in the alumni game. And I was getting so pissed. And I was talking to my best friend who I like I've known since I was in seventh grade. And I'm talking to him, and we both sitting on the bench during the game. I was like, I cannot believe this dude is not playing me. But instead of me being super mad about him not playing me, I was more mad. I was like, I wasted my time. Like, and that was like, oh, that was me like being like growth. And then they hit me up this year to be like, come back to the alumni game. And I was like, no, I'm not going back to that. Like God, like, why would I go and do that? Like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not gonna waste my time. I don't need this anymore. I don't need the validation that I needed from this guy, you know, ten years ago. What? That's that, that's a huge realization, though. Like, what what caused that to click in you? Going from like, I need I need this validation from my coach to like, you know what? No, you're you just don't like me for whatever reason, and like, it does your opinion of me is not my business or my responsibility, and it doesn't matter to me. Like, how did you, how did that change? I think walking into that gym and A, realizing that only a few of us who have graduated and stuff over the past years are actually in a professional field now that we are doing pretty well in. Seeing a lot of my friends who did play over me not doing anything now. And I love those guys, but not doing anything. And talking to him and them talking to me about, hey, man, I seen you in this and I seen you in that. Oh, God, man, you killing it. You doing this. And I like, and, and them not, them, those guys being like the better players at my school and stuff, still good, but that's because they still have so much time on their hands to go play basketball. Like, and uh, I remember one of my friends, so I'm left-handed, and we were doing warm-up layups at the beginning of the game, and I went up, and I, I, we, I was coming from the right side. I don't, when you go up on the right side, you're supposed to shoot with your right hand. And I went up, and I shot it with my left hand. And my friend goes, hey, Carl, right hand. And I go, hey, man, I don't need, like, I don't, like, I don't need you to tell me, like, I don't need you to scold me about what hand I use. This is not, this is nothing. We aren't being paid for, like, and that's what, it was more and more of that. Also, looking out in that crowd and seeing all those kids that I was, like, 10 years old when they were born, 11 years old when they were, they were children. And they don't know who I am and they don't know like what this court meant to me and stuff like that. It was all that put together was just like, oh, this is this is unimportant. I'm I'm more mad that I drove all the way over here. I'm more mad I drove to Culver City tonight when I could have been kicking it with my homies. Like, yeah, so it's almost <laughs> like your perception of the situation changed is yeah. what it sounds like. Yeah. That's like a huge moment. Yeah. When do you feel most confident in your life? Is it like when you're on stage with your team? Is it when you're working out? Is like when do you feel like most Carl in your skin confident man? I would say when I'm on stage. When you're on stage. When I'm on stage. Any, playing with any stage, any team. Uh, white women is is a big confidence booster because we click very well. Mm-hmm. And what team sport? What I didn't get out of team sports, I get out of being on white women. I get, I get. I think with improv in general, I, I they like my 
my peers and people have made me feel like I'm an intricate piece with the group. And, and if they, that gives me the confidence to go like, Oh, fine. For once in my life, like I'm needed here. That's something that I didn't get when I was, you know, playing high school basketball. My coach didn't make me feel like I, I was needed. Like he, he made me feel like it was a privilege for me to be on the team. Like it, it didn't feel like I was needed, even though I was needed, mm-hmm. but like it didn't, it didn't, he didn't make me feel like that. And so now this is like, it's, it's, it's like playing basketball. You got the team, you got the coach and you got all that stuff. And it feels like if, if I, if I hit up my group and say, Hey y'all, I'm not going to make the show tonight. It feels like I have let people down. Mm-hmm. And in certain ways, that kind of makes me feel like, oh wow, I'm like I'm I'm needed. Yeah. Like. Yeah. They want me here. Yeah. How did you, how did you come into improv, and were you always confident in this realm of comedy, or did that take you know time and reps? It took time and reps, but I, I like one thing that's been a, a constant in my whole life is that I've just been able to kind of talk to people, which is. Interesting because I mean, speaking on confidence, I've never been the most outgoing person. Still not. I don't just go up to people and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Never in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never gone up in a bar and just like hit on a girl. Yeah. Or something like that. I've never. I've never done that. Yeah. Like I. I've never like. I've never been like the dude that's like, excuse me, everybody, uh, can I have your attention? Yeah. Like I've never been that dude. <laughs> and so now something that's this this performative outlet that I excel at is like oh wow like I shouldn't be so scared to do certain things mm-hmm. because clearly I I do pretty good at this but um all my life I've been kind of the the guy who was you know people have thought was funny but when I decided that I was going to do comedy that that seems like such a pipe dream you know yeah I didn't grow up in an area where that was a that was a that was something I could do. Even though my mom was an actor and in entertainment, I kind of shied away from that because I, I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to do what my mom does. Mm-hmm. But the um, even even like I've always just been like with my family, I've been able to make them laugh my whole life. With my friends, I've been able to make them laugh my whole life. I was voted class clown in high school. I was, you know, all this that has always kind of been a thing. I just like was always good at quoting TV quotes or like, you know, saying the right thing at the right time, just bringing a smile to somebody's face. It's always been something. So when I got to like 19, 20 years old and basketball was over, I, cause I did make it to college for one year based off of my play at like AAU and stuff like that. Like I, once I, once I, Stop doing that and had to come to the realization like I'm not going to succeed. This is this is not going to be the field I succeed in unless I go into coaching or something like what can I do now? And I thought about it and talked to some people and they were like, what's been one of the most consistent things in your life? And I was like, I guess comedy. Like, I love it. I love the art form. I've seen everybody's special. I listen to every comedy album. I watch every funny TV show. I Like, I've always loved comedy and stuff like that. But that's not real. You can't do that. Like, that's not a thing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, after somebody was like, yes, it is. It is a thing. You can try it. And like, I remember signing up, like doing my research, seeing where everybody came from and like the schools of it. How do you, how do you get started in comedy? Yeah. I read the books. I read it. I only knew what stand up was and read Judy Carter's book and all that type of stuff. And was like, Oh, uh, I guess I'll start doing stand up. Hated it. Was way too shy to get on stage. And like, yeah, I was going to ask your journey with stand up versus improv too. Yeah. No, I started with stand up cause that's, that's all I knew existed. Right. And so I started doing it. I bought Judy Carter's book on stand up and I, she has like little like note sections where you can write down funny ideas. I remember being on the bus and trying to like look around be like, Ooh, what's something funny on this bus? And maybe I could talk about that. Uh, I remember one of my first jokes was something that happened on the bus where this homeless dude asked this woman for some of her gummy bears when she was eating, <laughs> she was eating gummy bears and he was like, can I have a couple of those? And I thought that was funny, but I didn't know how to build a joke around right, that. Right. I just thought that situation was funny because it was. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I went home and told my friends, like this homeless dude asked this woman if he could have some of her gummy bears on the bus. And I thought it was funny and they thought it was funny. 
But then when I told them, like, hey, y'all, I'm gonna start doing comedy, they were all like, oh, you, oh, so you think you're funny now, huh? And it's like, no, y'all have always thought I was funny. This is, I'm doing this because y'all have always encouraged this from me. Right. And they, so, but because it's just, it's a pipe dream to everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not, like, immediately when somebody says, oh, I wanna start doing comedy, everybody goes, Oh, you're not Kevin Hart. You're not Cat Williams. You're right, not right. Dave Chappelle. You're not funny. Uh-huh. Not realizing that those guys had to start one day too. Yeah, for sure. Like, for sure. Like they, if somebody goes, I think I want to grow up to be a doctor. Nobody goes, you ain't, I don't know, a famous doctor. <laughs> you ain't Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Yeah. You're not you know, like, Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, you're not Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, nobody does that to them. They right. just believe in them. They go, hell yeah, you can do that. Because that seems more realistic, even though that's way harder right. than becoming media did you experience i mean i guess you mentioned you touched on it a little bit you didn't even think comedy was an option for a career growing up did you ever like mention it and have people be like you can't do that no actually uh people used to my mom who like i said she's in the entertainment business and her and her friends always thought i was funny and i remember this there's this kid who used to do this stand-up uh there was this show on uh bet called like Past the mic or one mic stand or something like that. And there was this kid who was my age. His name was Lil JJ. And he did stand up. And I remember my mom and her friends being like, you funnier than him. You could do that. You could do that. And I was mortified. Like, I would never even dream. But then I would watch that kid and go, man, that would be really cool to try that. Like, like it was, it was tight seeing a 12-year-old get up on stage and tell jokes and adults be in the audience laughing at his jokes. And, but my mom and her friends, like once they even mentioned it, cause I know, I knew also my mom would become like a stage mom about it and like really try. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Just let me live my life. And I'll come to the, I'll come to the conclusion of when I want right. to. Do, do you find that confidence? Cause it sounds like stand up was not for you. Is that because it wasn't a team effort? It seems like you excel a lot with, a team or you feel confident and comfortable in a team environment, whether it's improv or a writer's room or basketball, like, is that, does that play a role in when you feel confident being in a group on a team versus just being solo? Yeah. I love that. I love that a lot more. Yeah. Uh, I've done some solo stuff and it's gone well. It's like since, like since I've been doing it, but I really like, I really like playing off of somebody. I think that's the most fun. Me and Drew Tarver do a lot of stuff together and it just works. And we're both performers who could do solo stuff, who do solo stuff. Right. But when we get together, it's like, shit, like who's going to stop us? You know? Yeah. Like when you on that basketball team where you, you get all the guys together and it's all like the dudes who fit their certain roles and who's going to stop us? Like it's, I like that. I like when I play with white women or when I play with Queen George, like, everybody's funny in their own way and we all have our own different opinions and stuff like that, but it's so much fun to be on the team. I love it. And like you have each other's backs too, which is a really good feeling to have. And I'm sure helps with confidence. Yeah, Um, absolutely. How has writing, cause you're, you write for television and Mm -hmm. how did, how did that come about and how has that played a role, if any, on your confidence? That's a, uh, is that a new skill? Were you a performer before you were a writer, or a writer absolutely. before you were a performer? Yeah, okay. I fell into writing. Okay. And it has it has it has done a number on my confidence actually. Uh, just like high school basketball, it kind of kills it at times. You oh, know? does it? Yeah, and you it, it makes you kind of go like getting these new jobs and getting these good jobs. I'm sure everybody's gone through it where you have this thing called imposter syndrome. You don't feel like you deserve to be there, and sometimes that shows. And sometimes people will exploit that and you'll know like so for example uh, I first I first got my first writing job on Mad TV and it was because I auditioned for the show and I went pretty far in the audition process and they were like we're not going to hire you to be in the cast but we will you like though there's a spot on the writing team and so I got on I got in the writer's room for that and I had a good time like that was a confidence booster I was able to turn in sketches and be like try this and I was one of the younger guys in the room, so my take on everything was a little bit different. I knew how to I knew how to make my sketches short and concise and make them hit in the writer's room uh, and at the table reads and stuff like that. I knew where jokes would land and stuff like that just because from improv and stuff. And I was like, oh, man, I can I could probably like I'm kind of good at this. Like, this is great. And then my second job was writing for narrative TV. 
and get I got on a sitcom and called Ghosted. And that was tar- that was hard. And it was around a time where like the term diversity hire was being thrown around as almost like a pejorative in a way. Like where it kind of was like a bad thing. Mm. And and people, you know, we work in an area where it's mostly like liberal people, but a lot of people don't understand their privilege when it right. comes to that. Absolutely. So people were looking at me kinda at certain points being like, Oh, you're in there or like how like well you've never like been an assistant of anything you just kind of got this job thinking i i haven't put in any work you know at the time i had been doing comedy for like eight years and done a ton of stuff been all over the world doing this thing and like do all the do all these podcasts and all that stuff like people still look at you like you somebody handed you this is a handout right you got a job you shouldn't be here and you didn't put the work in or something and you and you start to that that starts to go into your mind if you don't have a strong mental stronghold on that that'll eat you up Mm -hmm. that'll that'll really get to you because it was really getting to me. So anytime like they'd be talking in the room and they'd be talking about other writers and they go, Oh man, there's this kid. And, uh, his name is, is white guy number three. Mm-hmm. And he, he, Oh, he's so good. He's so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, we tried to get him in here, but we couldn't do it. I'm immediately thinking, Oh, y'all couldn't get him in here because I'm here because y'all had to hire a black person or y'all, even though that may not be true mm-hmm. or something like that, but they will like the business will make you think that they'll make, it'll make you think, that you don't deserve what you have. How, then do, you, I, how do you overcome that? Whew, I mean, I would always go, it, it, like, I would always just go do an improv show. Like, I would I would leave work and go do something where I knew, again, where I knew I was needed, where I knew, where I felt comfortable. And so, like, I'm leaving work and other people are like, oh, I'm going home to make dinner and blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm headed to UCB. Mm-hmm. Because I'm gonna jump up and do a show. Mm-hmm. I need this val. I need that validation now that mm-hmm. I'm not getting from this job. And yet these people, these people are coming up to me being like, "Oh man, you he writes on a TV show. That's so cool. That's where I want to be." And I'm like, "The grass is always greener." Because I'm going to work every day, wondering if they're gonna fire me. Yeah. I'm wondering if I'm doing a good job. And I have been fired from jobs. Right. And, and it doesn't feel good. Right. And, and or one of the and it's not really a firing. It's it's called like not being asked back. Right. Right. Like, right. And that it's embarrassing. It's humiliating. It makes you feel like you didn't do your job. And, and that's a confidence killer because that's what really fuels that imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. You feel like I don't belong here. And then you, I go do a show. I go to ASCAT and I get these huge laughs. And I'm like, okay, so what? where is the disconnect? Mm-hmm. Like, why can't I do this job? Or why can't I do this? But then you get an opportunity where you write on something and they love it. Like, it's all about where your voice fits, and, and and that builds that confidence right back up. Yeah. It's almost like knowing your voice and staying true to it and then realizing it's not going to be right for everybody, but yeah. then knowing, like, where it does fit into and getting confidence from that. Yeah. And not taking also, it personally. Not taking it personally, and also always remember, a lot of the industry, a lot of it is a, the opinions of others. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like you go in and you audition and you think you killed an audition and you get the call back and you think you killed a call back and maybe even test for it. Your whole job depends on the opinion of somebody. Mm -hmm. So this is easier said than done. 100 percent. I've been in this situation. Don't try your best to know that it ain't you, that you are not bad. Mm hmm. Know that it's some somebody who's sitting there in the suit who's trying to justify their job. Yeah. And that's so true. But it's it's so hard to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I mean, do you are you a good auditioner? Do you feel like you've honed that skill? Because you recently booked the lead on a pilot. Is that right? I did. Yeah. Which is amazing. Um, Thank you. Uh, how was your confidence throughout that process? Because is this, I, now I don't know, is this the first lead that you've had or have you done? It's the second one. Second lead, okay. Yeah, and uh, the other one didn't go. Okay. But it was an improvised show. Okay. So, I, of course, I'm going to be confident in that. Right, of course. Like, I ain't got to learn no lines. Right. I go in there and I just improvise. <laughs> just for yourself, yeah. Yeah. How was your confidence throughout this process? Because, like, this is, you go from... 
auditioning to callbacks to chemistry reads or what producer reads or whatever. How, how did you deal with that? Uh, the more, the closer I get to it, the scarier, the scarier it gets. Mm -hmm. Cause it feels like now, like every time they call back and go, Hey, they want to see you again. It's like, damn, that's another time I can't make no damn mistakes. Right, 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 right. <laughs> like, and so, you know, that first read where it's just like a pre-read with the casting office, you can kind of fill it out in a producer session. Be a little bit better, but you can still hold the book. And then it comes to the test. Don't be on book. Like, you got to be off book. So make sure you are word perfect. And then the chemistry read, all that type of stuff. But it's like it's like half confidence, half fear, because it's like, well, I clearly was good enough to make it to these points. And so at this point, it's my job to lose, which also psychs you out. Because mm -hmm. right the week before I auditioned for the first time for this show, I auditioned for this other show. And I walked into the room, and I did not expect everybody to be in there. Because they were just like, oh, it's just going to be a, a like producer session with casting. Like, I thought it was going to be for producers on tape. Meaning, it's just the casting director in there and a camera. And I walk in, and not only is the room packed... But one of my childhood friends who now works for the producer of that show, I'll tell you off the air. Okay. Uh, one of my childhood friends who now works for the producer of that show was in the room. So now it's extra level of pressure uh, because I don't want to let them down. I don't know what they've said about me. I don't know if they saw my name on the list. It was like, oh, this is my boy. He's about to kill it. Mm -hmm. And I just go and I and I so I get to this. Uh, I breeze through the first scene. They're laughing. They're liking it. They're writing stuff down, you know, doing all that stuff. And I'm like, cool. Get to the second scene. There's a monologue in that scene. And I mess it up the first time. But I'm confident in the room. I know certain certain tactics. So I go, I'm sorry, y'all. Can I take that back? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Because that doesn't hurt you mm -hmm. if you need to do it again. They understand. Take it back. Mess it up again. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. Take it back. Fuck it up again. Here comes fourth time. Get through more of it. Start fucking it up towards the end. <sighs> At that point, I'm just like, guys, I am I'm having a brain fart. I'm sorry. Uh, let me take a breath. And I try to make them laugh off like some other type stuff. Nope. Because now they're now I'm kind of wasting their time. Mm -hmm. And I feel it. And of course, yeah. where do our minds go? Like when, when we're people pleasers and we're worried about stuff, uh-oh, not only am I wasting their time, they're beginning to hate, hate me. me. Yeah, totally. And that's not true. No. Because like, even if I had gotten it perfect, I probably wouldn't have booked the part. Right. But I'm like, they're starting to hate me. Oh, my God, I'm messing up. My friend is in here. I know my friend gave a whole monologue about how perfect I am before I walked in the door. Knowing that's not true. Like, and my mind's telling me this. And then finally I get through it. I think I'm like, take six. I get through the whole damn thing. Not a good performance because I'm just trying to remember the lines right. at that point. And literally, they were like, "You can look at the at the at the page." I was so deep into this fuck up that I was looking at the page and it was like it went blank. Yeah, I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what I was doing. I like I'm trying to be this actor. And I worked on this. I worked on it with Peter, who's my good buddy, and and it's so that like <laughs> that was the worst. I didn't book that. I didn't get that. And I walked out of there and I was kicking myself. Mm -hmm. And then the next week I auditioned for this other thing and I do get it. And he goes, oh, okay. So I can do this. Yeah. It's so, it's such a crazy industry how you can be like down one minute and up the next. And, yeah. and, um, I relate to that so much of like just blanking and being like, oh, oh my God, what am I yeah. going to do? I feel like that. I feel that added pressure a lot. Like doing comedy at UCB being like Casey's fiance and being like, Oh, these, this is Casey and all Casey's friends. And I have to be as good as Casey and for his friends to like me or to be accepted in this community. And I, that's something I still struggle with. And, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it gets better with time and knowing that like I'm, I'm my own person and whatnot. But when you mentioned like your friend, being in the room, I, I immediately flashed to that thing of being like, oh, he's probably talked me up, even though he probably hasn't. And yeah. oh, I, I like, oh, I have to be this good, even though it's like I've, I'm relatively new at it, and Casey's been doing this a long time, and I, so I, I definitely relate to that feeling. Um, 
So I wrote down, okay, I wrote down, you have some good ones here as we like wrap up on bullet points of Carl's bullet points on being confident. Okay, you ready for them? Yeah. Responsibility, having responsibility, perception, changing your perception on things, feeling needed, being a part of a team, doing something that you love when you're down, don't take things personally, um, and you aren't bad, it's on them. Oof, that last one. That last one sounds insane. <laughs> <laughs> I love but that so, one. So sometimes it's on you, though. Yeah, but like, <laughs> no, but I get what you're saying, because you're, it, it's, it's, especially with art, you know, it's not a mathematical equation. It's not two plus two equals four. It's, this is yeah. my, this is my idea of this character and you either like it or you you don't like it, and that's okay either way. Yeah, you're right about that. Well, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for chatting with me. Thank you. This has been fun. This has been therapeutic for me. Are you? Do you do therapy, Carl? Do you do therapy? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna put that on the list too. Yeah, do therapy. It'll help you out. You dig it? I mean, I've been doing it. I'm like going on six years now, but. Uh, I, I, I did it for like a, a bunch of months and then stopped and then, so, you know, people talk about anxiety and stuff mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. I don't really suffer from anxiety very often. It mm -hmm. happens like a couple times a year where it'll be like a week. And I think, I literally think that a monster is outside of my window, you know? Totally. And it's, and so I started doing therapy because I was like, I don't want to have that feeling ever. And uh, it worked. It, it works. It helps you get through stuff. Uh, I definitely thought it was going to solve all my problems after the first couple weeks. It does not do that. No, man, I'm going on. I've gone every week for six years and it still hasn't solved all my problems. But yeah. Putting so in the what, work. What, what solves our problems, Rebecca? I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out. Once I do more of these podcasts, I'm sure I'll come up with a solution and I'll make sure to ice put cream. it. Yeah, I'll put it in an email for you along with some ice cream so that we all yeah. we all get better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, thanks so much, Carl. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? I'd love to hear from listeners about things that have helped you build your confidence, whether that's a mantra, a routine, maybe a favorite book or an event that you went through. Leave it in the review section. Or if you have a question regarding confidence that you'd love to hear discussed on this podcast, you can leave that in the review section as well and I'll check it out. Thanks again. <laughs>